0: This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, episode 26.
1: So it wasn't wasn't super hard to get the programming going right away. It was like hard to get the kids in the door. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else.
0: Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. I'm Scott Caulfield. With me today, head strength and conditioning coach at Colorado College. And good friend of ours, Kevin Cronin. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Scott. Yeah, appreciate you being here. We are actually, for anyone who's been at headquarters, we are sitting in the classroom of NSCA headquarters. It has a little bit of nostalgia for us (laughs) because Kevin started uh, working at the NSCA two weeks after I did in 2011. And we actually had our uh, workstations all in the classroom here <laughs> throwing it back today <laughs> sat around looking at each other uh it was about 10 of us uh because they were redoing a bunch of office space and uh, we just sat in the classroom with like one telephone everybody somehow <laughs> had a computer access yep. it was great um but yeah so you know tell us a little bit about your role at cc um and maybe even you know how that came to be from your time here at NSCA as well.
1: Yeah, I think I was I was pretty fortunate. You know, at the time, 2011, we were training women's soccer and ice hockey here at headquarters, and um, Colorado College was talking about doing some renovations and building a new facility, and they ended up spending about $27 million on those renovations, and part of that was hiring a head strength conditioning coach. And, you know, I went through the interview process and, um, was fortunate enough to get offered the job and, and left the NSCA. Uh, my time at the NSCA was great. You know, I think it really set me up to kind of slide into that role. Uh, the role that I initially took was head strength edition coach for all of the division three sports. Cause at the time, Scott Caulfield, who's sitting across <laughs> from me had a uh, ice hockey and women's soccer. And, you know, kind of since then we've We've had both sports back on campus for three seasons now, I do believe, and so I oversee the training for all of them. Um, Fortunate to have a full-time assistant right now, uh, Steven Woodworth. Um, During hockey season, he spends a lot of time at the the arena and on the road, but um, I oversee 300 student athletes, one full-time assistant, and usually a graduate assistant that we do not have right now. Offered the position to a couple kids and it got turned down. So we've purchased some equipment and I'm kind of running the weight room by myself. Nice. So uh, anybody
0: listening to this, uh, email your NEGA, yeah. email your resume to Kevin yeah. Cronin. if
1: you're in Colorado Springs, <laughs> let us know. <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, no, that was that was an interesting time too because yeah, like you said, we, you and I uh, were working with hockey and soccer here, yep. and then you got the gig over there, and then you went over there, and then. Um, we were able to collaborate a lot still, which was super yeah. cool. Um, and then really transition those teams uh, back to training with CC, which it was great training them here, but it just makes so much sense when well, you guys have a sweet weight room yeah. and full-time staff um, to be able to, and then you to get an assistant. Because when you first took over, it was a one-man show. So yeah. talk about that. You were the first, you're the first strength coach there. Yeah. They never really had anybody in kind of a, a position like that brand new facility and now you're on your own
1: yeah we you know when I took the job at the NSCA it was I was like an education coordinator and we kind of just like found our way into the weight room and you know I found myself for like two hours a day like doing things that pertain to college strength edition like creating templates and doing all these things and you know when I sat down in my interview I had this binder full of stuff that like tricked them into thinking i knew what i was doing you know (laughs) and and i think that's really what saved me you know you you walk into a room and you really don't know any of the kids like you don't know their training background like you really don't have any help you know i was i was fortunate to bring uh tiana perry with me um so she was like kind of a part-time assistant for like seven months but you know we functional movement screen like 288 kids and kind of put them in a bubble based on their movement screen score and kind of went from there you know we had a lot of meetings with coaches a lot of meetings with captains and um you know the first 7 months we were a fitness center so right. we were like battling for space like we don't have anywhere to squat cuz there's nine kids benching on nine racks and so um you know kind of had to play nice in the sandbox and not not make any of the the normal students upset but still needed to try to get space so we could train the kids that that wanted to train but you know we just I guess kind of created a system that made like programming semi-easy you know we kind of took a sport and said hey these are the things that we need to get done during a session and just created some templates and just kind of mixed and matched so it wasn't it wasn't super hard to get the programming going right away. It was like hard to get the kids in the door. Yeah. yeah Cuz yeah. we're uh yeah. you know we have 17 varsity sports, two which are division 1 and the rest are division 3. So when they're out of season like they don't have to show up. Yeah. So if we were too abrasive early on, like we probably wouldn't have a lot of kids walking right. through the door. So um we had to we had to play with that that balance a little bit, but yeah, you had to get some serious buy in. Just a lot of hours. Yeah. You know, getting in at five forty five and leaving at seven and you know, I remember my first first year, it was second semester. It was during track season and we had a track lift at like six thirty PM and there were nights where we'd get like one or two kids. Yeah. That's... And and now you know, what I mean now it's different. You know, we're not really running much nothing really starts at 6:30 you know we might finish at 6:30 or 7 but um you know the groups of 2 or 3 kind of turned into groups of 20 and 30 Nice. So.
0: yeah and so that's a, you've got a lot. some unique uh unique situations at Colorado College first men's hockey and women's soccer division 1 all the other sports division 3 and then you're on this block plan let <laughs> me talk about that a little bit because yeah. it does kind of set
1: up For some great periodization. Absolutely, you know, talked about this. I was I was like kinda kinda fired up about it to be honest. You know, like I going into my interview, like I didn't know much about it, like other than you know, like when we're working at the NSCA and the guys are on campus and they come down to lift with us, like you don't get as much of a connection to it. But when you get immersed in it, it's like this three and a half weeks of just craziness. And then these kids have midday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. And then they come back Monday for a new block. So a lot of the times, like we we hit them kind of hard for three weeks, and then we kind of call it a frequency-based unload, and they leave and then come back. Um, but yeah, so the block there's eight blocks a year and four blocks a semester. I say to a lot of people, it's like summer school year-round, and people are like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> it's like yeah, they have one class class from nine till noon, and if they have a lab, it's from one till three. And then that's usually when practices start or when, you know, strength and conditioning sessions start. So it's nice. Like middle of the day, um, we can get a lot of stuff done, like chat with sports medicine and write programs and train and go to the bank if you need to. Right. Yeah, you've got some flexibility there
0: throughout the day. Um, And you got some good buy-in from the coaches. I mean, nice thing was your AD was big in putting yeah, that facility together sure. but then the coaches have kind of some have come along right and some were in <laughs> from the start.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh it's kind of cool like a lot of our coaches let us just kind of do our thing. You know, there are some coaches that have you know, I think we have 5 coaches in our building that are CSCS. So initially it was kind of like a sit in their office, have a conversation about training and and what we thought um, we were going to do with their groups um, but those conversations were easy because the coaches at least had like some level of education to like talk about it um, but you know some coaches have taken some time you know like we've, we've had a a team not to be named miss like 27 days in the weight room during their season wow so we do a pretty good job of taking role and if if teams miss lifts we definitely track it. Yeah. So
0: well, and I know in my experience too, I think a lot of not all a lot of sport coaches who have their CSCS at first you're kind of worried like they're going to think they yeah. know, but they don't. They just they know that they got it and it and that's not their forte, yeah. but they're like I'm not going to let this thing lapse either cuz uh, it was so freaking hard. <laughs> yeah. But like a lot of the times it's the ones that don't have any
1: Training 100%. that are
0: the, that are the pain in your butt. Hundred percent,
1: hundred I think we're we're like, you know, a lot of the times everybody tells like horror stories about like soccer staffs, right? Like I think U.S. soccer does a great job, but like sometimes soccer coaches are like educated enough to be dangerous, yeah. you know. But our our women's coach and our men's coach are great, you know. Most most of our coaches are are good enough about coming down and they just want to have an idea of what's going on, you know. And we've done a pretty good job of saying, like, hey, you're not the University of Texas men's basketball. Like, we don't need to be doing what they're doing. Like, our kids are different. They have different needs. Like, the academic stresses are different. The travel's yeah. different. So, um, you know, we've had a couple of those conversations. Well, like, why don't we do this? They do that. It's right. like, well, they're right. we're not them and they're not us. Yeah. So.
0: No, that's a great point. That's a yeah. great point. So many so many people see that other, whatever highlight or whatever it was. Yeah. We got to do, we got to do the man you test. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably only good for man you maybe, <laughs> but, uh, you, I know that you did, you did some internships before you came to work at NSCA and you're, yeah. you know, you're, you're, uh, you know, trying to, you have an internship program, you're seeing kids come out. What, uh, what, who were the internships with cuz i know you know they had some pretty big impact on you yeah. you know talk about like the people For that sure. you got to work with and
1: i think my my first between my first and second year of grad school jason dudley and i were kind of like sitting around in our first first year saying like hey what are we doing this summer you know and and he he kind of scheduled something out at university of connecticut and i was like wow that's like a pretty good idea like i want to go do a division 1 internship somewhere And I kind of looked at the bank account and was like, well, we're going to be a little restricted based on funding. (laughs) So um, I reached out to a lot of schools that were like commuting distance from Santa Cruz, California, where I grew up. And fortunate enough that Shannon Turley gave me a call and kind of offered me an opportunity at Stanford. So moved back to Santa Cruz for the summer and commuted an hour and 20 minutes each direction to Palo Alto. Um, but working Stanford football at the time, you know, Jim Harbaugh had kind of just taken over and, and Shannon had come with him from university of San Diego. And I think it's like one of the greatest experiences of my life. You know, like you really, really got introduced to like the intricacies of the job, you know, like everybody says, Oh, you know, you don't want to take an internship where you're just going to clean and fill fridges. But for me, like, you got to be able to clean and fill fridges. Right, you know right, what I mean. Yeah. So, um, took yeah. that opportunity. It was great. Kevin Tolbert, who's now at Michigan, and Dave Foreman, who's now at Virginia Military Institute, were also on staff. Um, learned a lot from them training wise. You know, I think it was. It was more of like an after the fact. You kind of go, oh, like wow, like that's pretty cool. Because when you're in the thick of it, like I wasn't thinking about what was going on training wise. I was just worried about not getting yelled at you know right. <laughs> like hey here are my responsibilities I'm going to try to do them as as good as I can so I don't get yelled at yeah. by the full-time yeah. staff yeah. members yeah. so I remember getting back to grad school and just being like oh wow like this program's like pretty dialed in yeah. you know they ended up having a pretty good year in in the fall of 2009 um, but then I finished finished my uh, graduate work at Western and I was fortunate enough to be um, a graduate assistant my last year. So I worked with pretty much everybody that walked through the weight room. Um, didn't really have any teams per se, like groups of kids here and there that we kind of got to drink the Kool-Aid and, um, you know, I had a CSCS, a USAW and a master's and I don't think I got a call back for like a single job. (laughs) So, uh, I sent out like 118 packets to different schools across the country and got some calls and, fortunately donnie maybe at the university of texas was one of those calls and he kind of said do you want to come to austin i said sure i said when do you want me there he's like mid-august i said all right so i went back to santa cruz for a couple months and hopped in the car and drove to austin um worked football men's tennis men's track and field and women's volleyball for about seven months and you know the football season was a little bit rough, I think we went five and seven, and I was kind of in a position where you know like we didn't really know what was gonna happen right like it's big time Division one football, and we just went five and seven like nobody knows what's gonna happen so um, Jason Dudley actually ended up getting offered a job here at the n s c a and uh Dave Sandler picked the phone up and called me and asked me if I wanted a job and that kind of brought me to Colorado springs nice yeah. and uh yeah, you know, I've been in Colorado Springs, like, what is it, like seven years now? Yeah, it's wild. Time feels, flies. Feels like we just <laughs> got here. It's funny when you said, like, uh, about
0: the cleaning and filling fridges things, but, like, honestly, uh, sometimes when you're an intern, like, you might only be qualified to do that, right? Yep. When you're just starting. Absolutely. So it's like, if you think if you, you have these visions of grandeur that you uh, deserve more or whatever, like... Um, it's just funny it's like you you might only be qualified to f- clean and fill fridges right now because you have been reading books and sitting in class you haven't been coaching yeah. people.
1: <laughs> no and and I think like Brian Mann said it on Facebook the other day like don't worry about being famous like worry about being effective and like for me yeah. like filling fridges and like cleaning the weight room was like right the best thing that I could do right and you, you know what and I mean. You I was kicked
0: ass at it you, yeah you, you've did that better than yeah
1: anybody. unplugging yeah. the tendos yeah. and you know I mean, like yeah. setting up the yeah. weight room and, right. and to me like even now like if kids that come in and intern with us like if they spend the first 15 minutes of them being in the room just kind of standing there and like not helping set up or like not asking us what we need Right, like yeah. automatically get dinged, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah and uh, Trey Zapeta was just here
0: last week. <laughs> who works for X. who yeah. Was a strength coach at Texas for uh, over a decade. Oh, when yeah. you were an intern, when he was a strength coach there, but yep. he was talking and saying how you were always. He's like he, Kevin was never stopped moving. He was always just like cleaning something. If you yeah. didn't see him, like
1: for sure, <laughs> yeah. I got, I got, I got the nickname Spaz because of it. Jesse Ackerman, who's now with the Falcons, started calling me Spaz because I would like. <laughs> While he was training, I would, like, clean his stuff up. And he'd come back and be like, where's my band? And I'm like, oh, I just put it away. Like, sorry. You know? And and to be fair, like, I think it, like, especially when I was at Texas, like, I think it got me some more responsibility pretty early. You yeah. know, granted, I, having a CSCS and a USAW probably yeah. helped, you know? Yeah. But being able to knock out, like, the mundane stuff, yeah. you know, I think yeah. kind of proved to the staff that, like, oh, this kid's, like, good at these really mindless things. Right. Maybe we give him something else. Yeah.
0: And uh, so Trey said they also used to make you uh, go to the dining hall with them. And they would just try and get you to eat as much as possible. Yeah. Is that true? Oh,
1: so, 100% true. So yeah. I'd have to step on the scale before we went to the dining hall. And as, like, an intern not making any money, like, getting invited to the dining hall right. was, like, a it's big huge, deal. yeah. You know? So, one, you're eating as much as you can so you don't have to eat again, right? But they, would like, make me get on the scale and... We'd go eat, and then I have to get on the scale again and <laughs> it was It was pretty funny That's and great. they they had such a cool setup that like the strength staff pretty much got two meals a day, but they would just like give me one of their meals nice. but I remember this one time I was eating like a double cheeseburger pile of fries, just like kind of stuff in my face, and I finish, and then a second plate came <laughs> that looked like the first one, and I looked at Jesse and Trey, and I'm like. I cannot finish this plate of food, and Jesse was like, "You need to finish it now." <laughs> so that was the first time that I think I got the meat sweats from from eating. But that's great. <laughs> yeah, uh, gotta do it.
0: Those are the days. Can't get beefy and leafy, nope. as we say. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, so talked about Turley and Donnie Mabe, who we, I
1: love to
0: um who else has kind of influenced you along the way or
1: you know like i think we were so fortunate when we got here that we all kind of like nick clayton and i were literally just talking about it like we we sat around and like talked about training like yeah. you tom DeLong, jason dudley pete melanson like nick when he showed up like the interns that came through you know like i think it was it was such a cool time because we were you know i mean i guess trying to move the NSCA in a different direction like educationally, you know and so I think like some of the conversations that you and I have had or or anybody that was here when I was at the NSCA, like that's the kind of stuff that you really can't can't forget about you know, and and then your time here you know, like the Tom Islinskis and the Matt Wennings and the Joe Ken's and the Lauren Landau's and like all these people you get to sit and listen to, you know like it was so cool, just go to national and I mean you're getting paid to sit in the front row and listen right. to right. Dave Szymanski right. talk about whatever yeah. Greg Hoff or you know so I just I think the whole experience was just so cool because you just got exposed to so much content yeah you know just being around be- people better than you oh geez yeah take you to the next level you know I mean I think I heard Lauren Landau talk like three times in my first e- like six months yeah. Yeah. you know. Was cool. So now that you're,
0: uh, you know, here in a position to supervise and mentor people, GAs, interns, what do you, what are you looking for in these young coaches? That, uh, or how about this? What are you looking for, and what are you not seeing sometimes? What yeah. are some of these kind of
1: hang-ups that you're seeing lately? I, I think I've done a pretty bad job of like handing kids a piece of paper that yeah. has like an evaluation on it you know, like we sit down and we talk about what we expect and nine times out of ten, like it just doesn't happen. And then you have a conversation about it. Yeah. And like, well, you know, I wasn't 100% sure that that's what you meant. And like we talked about it the other day, like yeah. I'm just creating this document that has all these things on it that I'm going to send to a kid and yeah. say, hey, when you're done with an internship or a practicum with us, you should be good at all of these things, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know. And, and I think one of the main things we, we see is like kids' inability to, like, generate pertinent conversation about training. You know, like we, I mean we have ten tendos in our room. Like we have three jump mats. Like we have fifteen heart rate monitors. Like, I think we do some cool stuff, right? Maybe I'm 100 wrong, but you know, when a kid's been in the facility for eight weeks and they don't know what an APRE protocol is, or they don't know how to turn on a tendo. You know, like to me, that's an issue. You know, and and kids just don't seem like as engaged in it. And like I feel like they want us to just give them all of the information. Like, oh hey, here here all of it is. Like, yeah. you're welcome. Like, go on your merry way. But yeah, we get we get a lot of kids that I don't know. I think Ron says it right. You're like chasing a logo. Yeah. You know, and I think yeah. kids kids just see the industry as this like cool thing oh you get to work in a weight room and you get to work with these high-level athletes and you get to wear cool gear and you can stand on the sidelines you know and and i think like there's so much content out there that that sometimes kids like oh i know what that is like "Mm." yeah yeah. but they don't ask questions and you know like if you don't tell them to do something they're just not going to do it you know so i don't know we've had kind of a bad a bad stretch of interns so it's been it's been nice like i've really had to like sit back and like evaluate how right. we're acting yeah you know like if you have yeah. a stretch of bad training or whatever and a bunch of kids are getting hurt like you still got to look in the mirror and go right. what are we doing right. wrong yeah yeah so i've had a lot of uh, a lot of self-reflection yeah, about go. how to uh create a more successful outcome yeah absolutely but it's it's been interesting man
0: it's been no. interesting
1: And we had a good stretch, you know, like Adam Gardner, who's at UCLA now, and Shaw Richardson just took a job at Fort Carson, and Stephen Woodworth, my old graduate assistant, like we were fortunate to hire him, but we've we've kind of been on a skid recently. (laughs) (laughs) No, and it's,
0: it is, I think we've done a better job of kind of laying out expectations and... Doing a midpoint review yeah. and an end of review and giving them a chance to give feedback at the end so that oh, we can go, yeah, for oh, sure. man, like <laughs> hit yourself in the head. Like, uh, ah, yeah. when they when they kind of not rip you on something, but like, oh, I really wish we had done more of for this. Sure. And you're like,
1: oh, yeah, I know. We said we were going to do that, like, but we didn't do it, right? No, you know, for sure. And especially with kids nowadays, like you hand them a sheet of paper and you make them read it and sign it. And you're like, Hey, like you read that, like you signed it and said, you knew what was on that sheet of paper, yeah. you know, like when, when kids have been with you for six weeks and they ask you like, Hey, what do we need to set up today? It's like, Are, really? <laughs> right, right. Like men's soccer does power cleans on 3rd They've done power cleans, a variation of it on Thursday for the last six weeks. Like, what do you mean? What do we need to set up? <laughs> you know, um, I ask
0: this of a lot of people too because again strength coach hours can be kind of crazy and like we talked about with the block plan your yeah. hours get crazy how do you maintain the uh, work
1: life balance? The block breaks like I'm on a block break right now like we got done it we had three groups this morning and um, you know I think men's soccer finished around 11 clean the weight room still clean the weight room clean the <laughs> weight room and then came down here so it's every every 4 weeks you know you kind of have like two half days you nice. know you have a thursday friday that you're really kind of gone in the middle of the day and in the summertime like we you know with it being division 1 and division 3 we don't have like a massive amount of kids around we usually have like anywhere from 25 to 45 um we knock stuff out in the morning and then we have an afternoon lift and we're usually out of there by like 2:30 so take advantage of the summertime, like take advantage of our fall break, which we have, that's coming up, which is kind of around Thanksgiving. Um, take advantage of the winter, Yeah. you know, for me, like we live two hours from Breck, right? right. Like Saturday morning, like get in the car and go ski, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's been one of the big things that the wife and I have really tried to do is like, even if it's a day trip, like getting out of town and, yeah. and trying to decompress and, yeah. um, yeah, I picked up fly fishing a couple years ago, which I find wildly tranquil. Yeah. You know, it's been fun, but yeah, like the block plan kind of makes it work. You That's know, great. like we don't. You know, you're not go 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 for a full semester. You know, you kind of have this little mini two day break every four yeah. weeks. So it's not it's not too bad. You know, what I mean, I think we got a cool setup. You know, it crushes our kids. You know, what I mean, <laughs> like with the academics and <laughs> yeah. stuff, but. Yeah, yeah. You know, for us it's it's kinda cool to be able to get out of dodge for a couple days. Like we I mean, we had twenty kids in the weight room this morning that were like not like kids that were out of season that are around. Okay. Um men's basketball lift, men's soccer lift and then and then I got out of dodge. Nice. So it was good. Yeah. It's it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it's nice to know that you have those set breaks. Oh yeah. And and like, it t- it
1: took me a couple of years to yeah. like remember that there's sure, a Thanksgiving, right, you know what right, I mean? Right. All of a sudden yeah. you're like, "Oh, it's Wednesday and Thanksgiving's tomorrow?" Like, yeah. wait, what? Yeah. So, I was so immersed in like all the other stuff that you kind of forget that there's like actual breaks in an academic calendar, yeah, yeah. you know?
0: Um, I know you're always reading stuff. Uh what what do you got
1: going? What's what's in the late what's in the oh, queue right now? Jeez. To be fair, like um We've kicked around like a decent amount of heart rate stuff. I mean, we've kicked around we've tried to find some money within the department to to buy some heart rate monitors. Um you know, our men's basketball team's kinda using some stuff right now. So reading a lot of like conditioning articles and stuff. Um I read like all kinds of stuff on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. That's what like, I was
0: gonna say something too about it's just you know, your so network easy. and social media. Because yeah. I know you're on social media a lot. Um yeah, what's that? So what's easy the, now? What's the rationale just ease and
1: I honestly yeah, connecting like, and with I people. and I think like you take like a Brian Mann who like actually posts articles. Yeah. You know, what I mean, you go, oh, that's probably cool. I'm going to read that. You know, I told myself this summer that I was going to like try to read a couple books. But I just find myself like going to resources if I like need it. Right. You know, um but yeah, we've We've kinda just you know, some ACL stuff, you know what I mean? Like I think every year we read stuff on yeah. ACL. We got an opt jump, um, which we've we've used a little bit as like kind of a you know, when the freshmen come in we've done like kind of a tuck jump test with them to, to see where they're at and it's got like two cameras and um so we we're reading some stuff on like ACL return to play protocols and some evaluation stuff, but but yeah, we've we've kinda I've kinda of just duck to social media like yeah. yeah. Like, oh Joe Ken posts something. Cool. I'm gonna read that, you know. <laughs> who's
0: your who's your top uh three to five people that you're that you're reading uh their Twitter post uh daily?
1: But, well, you know, I think I think Sean Mishka's kinda like back in the mix. He took like a little bit of a hiatus there. Um like Ryan Horn always has like these great little like knowledge bombs that he throws out you know it's not always like about sets and reps right um he's always got some good stuff i think tim pilote like posts some pretty cool stuff every now and again uh but yeah you're always doing something cool like ron's always doing something cool you know, I think right now the Dan McKim Aaron Osmus is pretty <laughs> hilarious. The,
0: the gray sweatpants versus black sweatpants. Yeah, it's is, not <laughs> is about as exciting as it gets in yeah. our
1: world. <laughs> it's great. And my wife thinks I'm crazy. I was like, telling her about it the other night and she's like, "I can't believe you're even like watching that." <laughs> and I like had black sweatpants on. I'm like, "But I don't really side with either of them, but I like have all my black sweatpants." <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I think I'm with Joe. Like, I like to train in shorts. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Most of the time.
1: And it's hilarious because you, like, sit here and talk about, like, these things. And, like, I don't really know Dan all that well other right. than from email. And, like, right. same with Aaron. and Yeah. It's pretty funny. You feel like you get, like, thrown into their world for a little bit. Yeah, no,
0: that's I think that's the coolest thing about social media, right? Is, like, you've been able to connect with people that you never – uh you never might have run into for and then sure. all of a sudden you're kind of may not be friends but you're friendly yeah. on social media whatever yeah. you oh, for sure you chatted up with them that's how that's i mean that's how i met um nelson Ayette from the blues yeah, yeah, yeah now with the blue jackets um, but sure. like he and i connected on twitter for the first initial like yeah. conversation we ever had and it went from there and you know uh we've gotten to be good friends and I've no, been out I, to visit him. It's wild how that medium has
1: allowed that yeah. level of interaction. Oh, for sure. There's, like, I'm just looking at my messages, and it's, like, such a wide array of people that are, like, pretty good about getting back to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, You're, yeah. like, I was talking to Craig Cheek the other day about, like, high-intensity training in season. Yeah. And we had, like, a five-minute exchange, but it was, nice. like, pretty cool. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I know –
0: for me, too, I've been so fortunate, I feel like, to reach out to people that were open and willing to get back to me and share information for that sure. I absolutely, uh, you know, am the am the first one, hopefully, to get back to people who reach out yeah. to me because I feel like I owe it to them. For th- sure. That, that someone did that for me when I was yeah. looking up to them. And now they're actually, uh, Julia Leduski who writes for elite FTS and was a strength coach like back yeah, when she was yeah. a college strength coach and literally I think it was like a, over a decade ago first work uh, writing stuff for elite she was a strength coach at Buffalo or somewhere in New York and I had reached out to her when I was like just barely barely just getting started yeah. and probably asked her the dumbest questions about like something stupid right and but she got right back to me and was super cool and I had never forgot that and that's
1: my assistant says to me all the time like you type so fast But for me, it's like if somebody sends me an email, like, you kind of got to respond to it, you know? No, that's huge, man. Don't Uh, get me wrong. There's been a few where I was like, oh, (laughs) I should have sent that last week. Yeah, my bad. It
0: happens. (laughs) Um, Talk about strength and conditioning and the profession and it's growing and there's a lot of hype lately you know and it's getting more scrutinized and especially in football but do you have thoughts about how strength coaches should be evaluated or what possible better means we could be doing in that arena
1: we've i feel like we've talked about this a lot like especially being in town like rob schwartz this gets him going quite a bit you know like he's a big we should be evaluated on wins you know and and for me like i think it's a It's kind of more than that, right? Like, yeah, it's wins. You know, I think we should kind of be evaluated on on injury, like us and sports medicine, like I think as a a true, like, unit that's there for, like, the betterment of the kids. You know, I think at the end of the year when I get evaluated, like it's something I talk about with my supervisor. You know, a lot of the times they give you the, oh, well, you can't can't prevent all of them. I'm like, you know, like that's not what we're. we're trying to minimize them, you know. And... I don't know, like, we test a decent amount. Like, we, we look at verticals, and we look at five ten fives 5s and we look at 10 meters, and we look at front squat, and we look at reactive strength index. Like, I I think, I mean, all of that should be in some sort of cocktail of evaluation, yeah. you know. But but I think a lot of people made a pretty good point. Like, why are people evaluating strength edition coaches that aren't strength edition coaches? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, not yeah. everybody knows what we do, right. you know. And like you alluded to, like, my... R.A.D. ken ralph's like pretty good like he he lets us kind of do our thing and and you know we get evaluated a lot of the times based on like how the kids react to us and how the coaches react to us right you know um but but i i do think winning (laughs) i know that sounds bad but winning (laughs) uh like injuries and and if you're actually like improving performance you know and Sean Mishkin and I have argued about this a lot. Like, well, how do you know you're actually improving performance on like the field of play? And you're like, well, you know, that's hard. Yeah. But a lot of the times that might equate to wins. But you know, if if coaches aren't capable of getting re- recruits in, and yeah. you know, you're getting these like whatever lower tier recruits, you know, then being tied to winning becomes kind of hard. But I don't know. I, I think it's it's a it's a big question that yeah i don't i'm not sure there's a an answer to right. it just yet
0: well, like you know. said it's it's also relationships and emotional yeah. intelligence and for
1: empathy, sure but uh it's like if everybody hates you because you're mean or whatever <laughs> right. like yeah. i don't know and there's pro- and
0: this is also kind of alludes to a question i have but every in college at least You know, every division and NAIA is different in some way, shape, or form. So saying, well, we should only be evaluated by a strength and conditioning coach. Well, that's not going to work. I mean, yeah, sure, we'd love for you to become the associate AD of strength and conditioning in (laughs) college, but it's probably not going to happen. Or, you know, like, so it's, it's, we have to understand the differences that works at those, um, Level So that was kind of my question is you've been at yeah. different levels of NCAA. What what are kind of the big differences in the way the programs work at those levels?
1: Honestly, like I, when I took my job, there was like a very large disconnect. Like you could feel like the rift between the division one sports and the division three sports. Like you could feel it. Like I remember having a conversation with a volleyball player and she made some kind of backhanded comment that wasn't very nice about the hockey program and I'd literally been at my job like two <laughs> weeks and had been with the hockey program for three seasons, two seasons whatever it was and you know had like a relationship with those kids and it kind of like hurt my feelings I, you know I'm like you I don't know if you know them like I know them like you should try to get to know them and and then maybe make that statement and so what I think's been cool over the years is like everybody's training in the same spot, right like our hockey players see our soccer our men's soccer team training and you know women's soccer sees women's basketball training yeah. and and I think it's allowed for a a better vibe, so to speak, yeah. you know, but like other to, other than the rift, you know like I think you know our volleyball team's like number two in the country right now. so like our our volleyball team kind of carries themselves. With, like, a little bit of little bit of swagger, you know, and, you know, I, I honestly, like, don't really feel like there's that much of a difference, you know, other than potential, like, the amount of time spent doing whatever, you know, yeah. like, our women's lacrosse team doesn't watch a whole lot of film, okay. you know what I mean, whereas ice sure. hockey's down at the rink right. 45 minutes before practice starts watching film right. or, you know what I mean, so stuff, stuff like that I think's a little bit different you know we got a couple sports on campus that are are pretty firm on like if we're in season they don't train for those block breaks so they pretty right. much give the kids 4 days off nice. even if they're in season yeah. so that's a little different um but but other than that you know it's it's pretty similar like the cool part about the division 3 kids is like they're not on a scholarship you know so they show up because they want to show up yeah. you know whereas We've had some kids that are on scholarship money that you can tell they just really don't want to be there. Yeah, you know, yeah. like whether it's a lift or it's practice or you name it, and you can just see it in their face. Like oh, I don't want to be here. But like most of our Division Three kids, don't look like that because they don't have to be there. It's like yeah, yeah. if you don't want to come to a lift and it's the off season, like you don't have to come to a lift. Yeah. And so you know, I would say early on, like the the big rift between Division One and Division Three, which hopefully is not as big because. I think they all like now kind of respect each other a little bit more because they all kind of go through the same things, yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. But
0: what um, going off of that, still kind of talking about college. Um, what's your kind of favorite part about being a in the
1: collegiate setting versus going to the pros or going to private sector I, high school or? I was talking to somebody about this the other day. Like, we have our kids for four years. Like, uh, we kind of progress our freshmen, like, into what we call general population. So we got some kids right now that are, you know, they're goblet squatting on an eccentric tempo. And an older kid came up to me because we suppose this kid's supposedly pretty fast. He's one of our new 400-meter runners. And he goes, how come he's not back squatting with us right now? And I go, how many blocks are there in a four-year career? And he tells me, I'm like, we're spending eight weeks teaching this kid how to squat. Twelve weeks teaching this kid how to squat like in the in the grand scheme of things, like it's really not that long of right, a time right. you know, and so i th- I think we've we've kind of taken that like pseudo quadrennial approach and saying like, hey, by the time these kids are seniors, like we're gonna be doing some really fun stuff and um you know. We're fortunate, I think, that a lot of our kids like don't have a lot of experience in a weight room. right? So it's easy to progress them, right, because they don't know any better. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're going to progress you through this and through this. And, you know, like when block four rolls around and they're catching power cleans and it looks great and it's kind of heavy, you, yeah. you get kind of fired up about it. Yeah. So I don't know. I think I think the kids is what really kind of draws me to it, you know, like our – our student population comes from like the top five percent of annual incomes in the u s yeah. so not to make generalizations about that, but a lot of times those kids have never been told no by anybody, right. you know, right. so when we kick you out of the weight room at three thirty two because the lift started at three thirty like that may be the most adversity you've ever faced in your life, you know, and so that, that part's been fun, like trying to get kids, just any kid, right? Like, I guess, regardless of where they're from to, to like buy into some structure and, and kind of enjoy the process of, of training. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about uh,
0: any common myths or misconceptions about being a strength coach in the college setting that you uh, come across <laughs> often or, or hear about or see? I, as- I
1: get it from like recruits parents all the time, like, you're the strength and conditioning coach. I'm like, yeah, you know, like I'm not the tallest nor the biggest guy in the world, but, but I think and you that you shaved your beard too. So yeah, you're uh... Yeah. Yeah. The wife, the wife got upset. Um, You know, like the fact that we should all be like bald and have a huge goatee and be six, six and right, 230 right. pounds, you know, I think is something that parents are kind of like, Oh, okay. Um, I think another one is that, like, we just pick things up and put them back down. Yeah. You know, like, the concept of, like, yeah, one more rep. Yeah. You know, I think those are a couple that we still see. You know, like, we got a couple coaches in our building that think that, like, that's what we do. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but I'd say those are, like, kind of the big ones that we're all just, like, huge. Yeah. You know. Right. Right. We're all massive.
0: Yeah. I was thinking about her. I was talking to this. About the same exact thing with someone recently because I was saying, like, there was a point in time when I was just like early on, early on in my career, and I was like, You've got to be jacked if you're going to be a strength coach, and you got to chain your ass off, and blah, blah, blah. And like, I was thinking about it recently, I'm like, Man, that like the kind of core group of people that I talk to in this profession that I look up to to get information for some of them don't even look like they train like, yeah i know they do but like yeah, they don't, yeah. they're not like oh, jacked sure. and they're yeah. not squatting 500 pounds so it's funny
1: well um, and, and i think for me like early on in my career like you mean i think the concept of training was just so different right you know what i mean like in college you're just trying to look good on the beach yeah you know <laughs> and and now it's like i'm getting older and I want to like be able to do things right you know what i mean right. like right. like i still train every day but yeah. like it's not like this whole squat tober thing like after the first week i was like i don't know if i'm gonna get through week right. two and right. then i got through week two and i'm like oh i feel like kind of good yeah you know and then yeah. this week's rolled around it's been it's been pretty fun that's great it's a little embarrassing though like when you watch aaron Osmus' videos of like what he's squatting <laughs> and you're like oh geez maybe i should just never squat again right you know <laughs>
0: Oh, it's huge. Um, about this one, number one reason or one of the main reasons you think people fail in, uh, to become a
1: college strength coach? I sometimes think it's hard, you know, like I think working 15-hour days and not making a lot of money and having coaches yell at you or cancel lifts or, you know, you have a not a very good facility or the kids aren't bought in or whatever. Like I think it can be hard. Yeah. You know, like when, when I first started, we just battled all the time, Right. you know, like you battle coaches about why you're kicking a kid out for it being one minute late to a lift or, you know, like we had, we had, a, we had some kids the other day who came into the weight room five minutes late cause their coach had a meeting that went over and it's like, that's the kind of stuff that it keeps, if it keeps happening, like it can just chip away at you and, and you're like, like you no. know what? Like y'all don't care enough about this. Like I'm out, yeah. you know? Um, but no, I, th- I think it can be, I think it can be hard, you know, like the, the, the process of being a strength and conditioning coach can be hard. Yeah. You know, you applied all these internships yeah. and you get denied, or you applied all these jobs and you get denied, you know, it's, it's kind of a ding to the ego. You know what I mean? You sure. like apply to 50 jobs, and you yeah. don't hear back from any of them. Right. And you're like, do I really do this? Yeah. You know and I think? Over the years, you've really realized, like, if you don't have a network right. that maybe has a connection to a job, right. like, it it might not even be worth applying for. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, yeah, just, it can be tough. It can be super tough. You yeah. know, and, and if and if you're married and you have children. Right. And, right. and you're trying to get into it, like. Yeah. That makes it that much harder. You got bills to pay and you can't do an internship because you can't afford it. Like, I refinanced a car in order to go to Texas. (laughs) Like, if I didn't do that, like, there's no way I would have been able to take that job. Yeah. Because I didn't have any money. And I was working at a bar three nights a week, making 400 bucks a month, like, barely covering rent. So, you know, I think there's some sacrifices that people got to make. And if you're not willing to make them, it it can be like kind of a hard business.
0: Yeah. And there's not one. You know, m- many paths lead to Rome, right? There's not yeah. like one set. Yeah. Like, if you want to be an accountant, this is pretty much what you're gonna do. Our profession is not like that. There's yeah. kind of a lot of different ways that you can get into doing that. Yeah. But, yeah, I think you made a great point that you do have to build a network and you have to um, have a, have a network and know how to network. Um, what's kind of what's been your
1: key takeaways for that? I think Andrew Oltoff said something, like, a pretty long time ago. Like, we probably, like, just got to the NSCA, and he had said something along the lines of, if you're going to say hello to somebody at a conference and not follow up with them, like, don't even say hello to them, you know? So I think I've done a a pretty good job of just, like, following up with people, and, um, like, the people that I've worked with, like, still try to stay in contact with them. Like, even if it's a, hey, hope you're doing well email, or what's new you know, I think we're we're fortunate enough that our our hockey program kind of travels a decent amount, and yeah. it's like the the hockey network is is usually pretty inviting. And um, but yeah, just trying to follow up and and make sure that you don't go a really long time without talking to somebody that you worked with. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the people I worked with, like, aren't even in the business anymore, right? Like, yeah. you send them a text, you're like, hey, man, hope you're doing well. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm just kind of out of it now. Like, I'm right. doing some personal training stuff and doing this and that. And, yeah. You know, I don't feel like I haven't really been in this business very long, but there are a lot right. of people that, like, aren't in it anymore, yeah. Yeah. you know? I
0: but, think sometimes, too, <clears throat> we, people dramatize that, though, too. It's like, yeah. oh, you can can never can't retire, retire from yeah, doing this. Yeah. But, like there's a million different careers that people end up doing something different than what they started. Yeah, so it's... For sure. Like, I understand there's some challenges and there's some interesting nuances that are maybe a little bit different. But I think a lot of times, too, it's like, well, there's plenty of people that... Totally changed their career because they got sick of it or the hour sucked or they wanted to be with their family more or whatever million different
1: reasons there were. Absolutely. No, I I think I've heard that so much recently. Oh, you're never going to retire doing that. It's like, well, I guess we'll see what happens, right? Like, I'd like to, (laughs) you know, but.
0: Um, yeah i mean it 's not like working for the state i 'm not going to get a pension uh, no you 're <laughs> correct it 's not the n f l you know or n b a where I get a pension after a certain amount of time it's yeah. different hundred percent different um, cool. I got my go to questions that you should uh-oh. should know they 're coming um, <laughs> uh, my palms you know, just got sweaty about any three people living
1: dead or fictional characters that you 'd like to grab dinner or have a conversation with? You know, I think – I was actually thinking about this yesterday when we were like, hey, you want to do this podcast? I was like, yeah. I was like, he's guaranteed he's going to ask me that. Uh, My father, Muhammad Ali, and my brother I think would be the three people that I would go have a conversation with. Nice.
0: Your brother's a riot, man. Brother brother can be a
1: riot. They actually just beat Virginia. Nice. Um, the other night. And so he's at Radford, he's right? At, yeah, yeah, he's at Radford. Uh, soccer coach
0: at Radford. Yeah. Shout out, B. Cronin. <laughs> 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 um, okay, I killed this one. What about, I stole this one from Coach Mack, uh that he actually used with his athletes. But if you were same time
1: along in a totally different career, what would you be doing right now? Honestly, like probably working in the golf business. Like I worked, worked in the golf business in college. Um, actually got offered a job to be like an assistant professional in the pro shop and a guy that I worked for with, um, kind of talked me out of it. (laughs) And I don't know, like to this is Dave Beatty, um, actually up in Petaluma, California and they did not get evacuated. So that's good. But, um, he'd been at the shop for like 12 years and kind of talked me out of it and i was like pretty into it you know i was like kind of planning to do the whole like golf fitness thing like get tpi certified and like run something out of the shop and um got accepted to grad school and of just moved back to santa cruz and (laughs) yeah i I sometimes think about that now you know, like with the Broadmoor being up the street. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay. yeah,
0: you could be hustling <laughs> on the side. Yeah, you could go work at the Broadmoor and play free golf. <laughs> with and, all your free time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tee off at 8 p.m. every night. <laughs> How about if you had a magic wand and could eliminate any
1: coaching practice, what would you get rid of? Oh, geez. I feel like if you asked me this like six years ago, I would have like a totally different different answer. I, I, To be fair, like I feel like there's like a place for – like everything. You know what I mean? Like there's a place and a time to crossfit. You know what I mean? Like granted I think there's a right right rightish way and a wrongish way to do things, but I think we can all be like wildly critical of what we do training wise. You know, like, you know, you might go three by fives and I might go five by threes, but like do we need to argue about that? Right. You know, like (laughs) if it's effective for you and your environment, like who am I to judge you for what you're doing? Right. You know what I mean. Right. Like I think as long as the well-being of the athletes is like number one priority, you know I think Jason Jason Dudley said this a while ago. Like number one objective is to do no harm. Yeah. You know, so like if the training isn't like hurting kids, you know I think I think it is what it is. Yeah. You know, like I don't. You know, everybody says like the pr- the professions progressed so much. But, like, people are still getting in Twitter wars about right. about whatever. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, I can't believe you don't go heavy in season. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, well, you know, we got some kids at training ages three months, and that's the first three months of their college career, yeah. you know? So, I don't know. I don't think we should really knock anything down unless people are, like, hurting kids, yeah. you know?
0: We but, could ban Twitter wars we could ban.
1: yeah exactly magic <laughs> yeah. wand i Boom. think
0: uh actually i think dan john said too is like everything works nothing works forever
1: yeah yeah no exactly it's, I, I love that it's thing.
0: a fact um
1: cool how can people find you what's the i'm on twitter quite a bit actually uh <laughs> i think i'm my handle is kj crony uh and then email it's k cronin yeah. at colorado college.edu and I'd like to think I'm pretty good about getting back to people. But. Excellent.
0: But, yeah. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate you. Appreciate driving you having the, me. i uh, five miles over here to do this <laughs> my podcast. House, my house is like a mile yeah. and a half from here. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Thanks again. Look forward to catching up with you soon. Yeah. So, appreciate it.
1: This was the NSCA's Coaching Podcast.